This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is the Thursday show where I talk to someone in the food world I think you will want to learn more about. He is one of the stars at House of Ho, a reality series on Max, and also a co-founder of Hobuzz, a new THC seltzer. Washington Ho, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me, Eric. I'm feeling really good today. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I'm I'm glad you feel good. I feel good, and I'm I'm happy to have you. I you know I have to say I, I've seen every every episode of of House of Ho, and enjoyed them. Obviously, I I always think it's really fun to see Houston depicted on television in in whatever form. Yeah, I mean that was the goal from the beginning. You know, it, we wanted to showcase our hometown showcase our you know favorite restaurants favorite foods and i think we've accomplished that we've had a great time you know being invited by the culinary scene in houston texas and very proud of the diversity and the food is awesome all around town tell me a little bit about kind of your initial encounters with the food scene here i mean did you grow up going to restaurants did you have any you know favorites as a kid that you think can think about yeah, you know, growing up, you know, of course, if you watch the TV show, you'll know that, you know, my parents came from Vietnam and, you know, built their their careers uh, over here in Houston. And so growing up, we didn't have much money. And so some of our favorite places were, you know, all-you-can-eat buffets. And I remember there was a, a restaurant called Boston Sea Party, and it was all seafood. And that's where I learned how to crack open snow crab. I learned how to eat oysters. I learned how to eat clam chowder. And you could eat everything. Like every Friday, my parents would take us there if we did really good in school. And we would sit there for five hours and just eat oysters and snow crab. And I think that's where we got our palate from. And then, you know, as you kind of got older and your parents achieved a little more success, what were maybe some of your entrances into the world of fine dining? You know, as we got older and, and my parents uh, achieved some success, we started going out to steakhouses and, you know, Papa's Brothers Steakhouse was one of our favorites. Uh, you know, we Papa Do's Seafood was even fine dining for us. But one of the, the best fine dining experiences I ever had was the old Tony's on Post Oak. And I remember my dad taking us there for my mom and dad's 20 year anniversary of their wedding, having their friends there, getting dressed up. And, and that was as fine dining as it gets. You know, Tony Ballone is, is such a legend in this city. And, you know, that was one of our favorite fine dining spots. You know, that's, that's so funny. You know, like you, I grew up in Houston. My parents celebrated their 25th anniversary also at Tony's, but they did not invite oh. their children to, they did not invite their children oh. to join them for that meal. So you're, 
your parents may be a little more generous than mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think, you know, one of the coolest things about my dad that he taught us at a young age was, you know, you work really hard so that you can have great experiences. And if you work really hard, you should, you know, eat the best foods, no matter what they cost so that you can learn about food and have the experience, but know what's the best thing, the best type of foods going on around the world. Right. At the time, you know, we didn't have the money to go to France. So we'd have to find a French restaurant in town. And I, I remember Bistro Desami over there in West U was one of the French restaurants back in the day or Mark's, you know, that was a great place to, to get to, you know, Texas, new American type food. And, and so we would learn about different cultures through food. And, you know, that's what we were always excited about. Every Friday, we knew after school, we would go eat something good. It didn't matter how much money we had, but we were going to eat something really good. And and I love my dad for that. No, I I mean, I think that's incredible. I, I grew up kind of in a similar way. And, and you know, I not that not that we didn't go to nice restaurants, but that that very tippy top, the sort of the, you know, the Tonys and Marks of the world, that was that's where they went without us. But, you know, we went to, you know, I don't, I don't know if you had similar experiences, but like Ruggles Grill or, you know, lesser Tony Valone restaurants, like Grillia Grotto, that kind of thing. Oh, you know, that oh, was all Ruggles in the rotation. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Ruggles Grill on Westheimer over there in Montrose, the original. Yeah, Ruggles exactly right. One of our favorite spots for sure. So let's, let's fast forward. Talk, talk to me about House of Ho, because like I said, it is this interesting it, it it does so many things. I mean, it showcases Houston, like you said. It showcases some of your your favorite bars and restaurants. It, it shows your your inner family life. I mean, your your conversations with your parents and your siblings and your wife. Uh, I mean, how did that how did that get started? You know, House of Ho just it was always a dream of mine since I was young. I went to school and I tried out for different plays and I never got to get on stage. But my dream was always to work in Hollywood, you know, whether through acting or producing, I applied to USC film school. I didn't get in. And, you know, my son, my oldest son, Roosevelt, who's on the TV show when he was born, you know, he started talking at a young age. And so I just thought this might be my way into Hollywood. Right. And so when he was two years old, he asked me, he said, dad, can I have my own YouTube channel? And as a father, you know, I felt like it was my duty to help him make his dreams come true. But when I Googled how to make a YouTube channel and, and what that would require, I knew that I didn't have, you know, the experience or the talent to do that. So I thought, you know what, maybe I should try to make a reality show. I saw the success of the Kardashian family and I thought we had a great selling point. Uh, five years ago, my sister was reading a book called Crazy Rich Asians. And after some, you know, research, I found out that Hollywood was going to make a movie about this book. And I thought if I went out to Hollywood and played the crazy rich Asian, maybe I could get my own TV show. Uh, I made a few phone calls. I had some friends out there in Hollywood that worked with, you know, production. And I pitched my story. I came out there in these cowboy jeans, cowboy boots these really gold rim Ray-Ban glasses, cowboy hat. And I just sat there at Spago and I was hoping to get discovered. And, you know, fortunately, an agent came up to me. Um, he was connected to another Vietnamese producer. 
He was dating a Vietnamese girl at the time. He was really interested in my background. And when he found out, you know, I had a son named Roosevelt, a daughter named Lincoln, a brother named Reagan. And my sister's kids' names were Kennedy, Truman, McKinley, and Grant. He was like, man, this would make a great TV show. The mainstream audience would love to watch it. You know, your family's journey from Vietnam into achieving the American dream. And so for me, it was always my hope to help my son's dreams come true, but also open up doors and eyes for the minority community that always wanted to work in Hollywood, that if some guy that didn't have any experience could create a TV reality show, they could do it too. And so that was why I wanted to do it. I love that so much because in the, in the show, I mean, you're, I mean, you're portrayed, you know, in, in different ways. I mean, certainly a devoted husband and father, but it's, it's pretty honest about some of the, your struggles with alcohol and, and changing jobs and, and all these different things. So, I mean, it sounds to me like you're saying like you, you understood the assignment, like you understood that, you know, your father is the patriarch and your mother is the matriarch and your, your sister is the, you know, the aspiring single mom and, and you're kind of the comic relief almost. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, when I created the show, it wasn't, I didn't want to be the comic relief and I didn't want to be, you know, per se the Scott Disick of the show. Right. Right. But, you know, after, you know, talking to my family, um, we decided as a family that we would um, lift the rug. Um, You know, in the Asian culture, a lot of times, when we talk about problems in our family, we sweep them under the rug. But we decided as a family that we were gonna be honest, we were gonna be transparent. And through that honesty and vulnerability, of course, I reveal the issues that I have in my life, you know, sobriety. Uh, and, you know, when you're, when you're not, you know, you don't have clarity in your mind and you're struggling and you're trying to recover and the whole world is watching, I will say it was the biggest challenge of my life, but I'm so grateful for the team at HBO and Lionsgate for telling this story because I truly believe if I didn't have the reality show, I may be a single Washington right now that's not sober. But due to the fact that I had to admit my issues and my goals and open up to my wife about my struggle and open up to my family, we're closer than we've ever been. And there's there's no faking it. You know, it's a true story. It's for people to get a glimpse into our family and realize, you know, no matter what culture you come from, no matter how much money you come from, whether you have come from a lot or a little bit, all of us are human. And at the end of the day, we're all searching for the same thing. You know, we want love. We want love from our family. We want to be the best we can for our kids. And that's what we hope to show through the show. So was there something about sort of seeing yourself on the show? Is that is that part of what sort of inspired you to to make the decision to be sober? <laughs> I mean, that was a huge part of it. I mean, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, people leave a voicemail on a phone and you hear your own voice and then you try to sound a little bit better. You can't help but think that you don't sound as good as you always thought you did. Now, when you see yourself on TV, you're going to be the biggest critic of yourself, especially if it's reality TV. And yes, after seeing myself and seeing the way I interacted with my family or friends and the way 
my thought process was I knew there was a, a lot of room for improvement. I'm just like anybody else. You know, I, I want to look great on TV. I want to look great for the world. But before I could do that, I had to fix a lot of problems. And, and you know, I, I'm, you know, taking it one day at a time. I'm, you know, really grateful for the chance to get better. And I'm working on it day by day. Well, and and I mean, season two, you know, it's so fascinating because obviously your your family still is drinking in front of you on a pretty regular basis, and they're they're sort of trying to tempt you off the path. And you're you're very disciplined, I think, given given the amount of temptation that you you know you stick to you know whatever it it was you were seltzer or whatever you were drinking to avoid alcohol. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest uh, challenges for me, um, trying to be sober, right? Like, I'm 42 years old. I had this whole life before me. So I have a whole group of friends. And, and you know, we have wine tastings, and we have beer tastings, and, you know, food tasting. That's a big part of my life. You know, I studied at the hotel restaurant school at U of H for two years. I mean, I've, I'm an investor in many different restaurants and bars. And that's what I love to do. I love to see people. I love to have a great time. And so, you know, when my family's drinking in front of me, is there a part of me that would like to be, you know, in that realm with the family and, and being on the same level as them? Yeah, I, I like that. But what I found out was that, you know, every time that I did think um, I was owning my truth, I was doing it more through you know, because of the peer pressure. And, and so through that challenge, I realized that I needed my own drink. I needed something that would, would put me in the same space as other people drinking, but not drinking alcohol. And so that's why I created Hobuzz. Ah, uh, yes, you you set me up for my next question. So so tell me a little bit about, about how Hobuzz came together specifically, because I mean, obviously there's, there's any number of sort of THC seltzers on the market. So what did you what was your perspective on on how you were going to sort of innovate within that space and and make your own mark? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I saw, you know, the success of Skinny Girl Margarita through another reality star, Bethany Frankel, and I thought to myself, okay, well, I have this story of sobriety. Season two, I have a story of trying to find my my path, trying to find my job. What am I going to do, right? And so for season three. I was thinking, okay, I'll, I'll launch my own non-alcoholic beer, right? Or my own water, but something where I'm hanging out with my family, but I have my own drink and it's non-alcohol. But through, you know, thinking about that and trying to develop that plan, about a year ago, my business partner, my good friend, Tony Busby, who I, I'd never met before my whole life, sent me a message on Instagram and said, hey, Washington, um, it's Tony Busby. My wife is a huge fan of your wife's on House of Ho. Can we have dinner? And I sent him a message back. I was like, hey, well, what about me? And Tony was like, well, I got something I can relate to you too. But I didn't know what that was. I never met him. The only thing I knew was that he ran for mayor and he lost. And I knew he was a big time trial attorney. So we go out to dinner last summer. We go to one of my favorite restaurants, BCN Taste and Tradition, you know, great Spanish food. We go out there. I get to meet Tony and Francis uh, Moody, his wife, and I come with my wife and we're sitting there at the table 
And the lady comes out, the waitress, and she's like getting our drink orders. And right then, Tony Busby orders a mocktail. And so my wife's kicking my feet under the table, and I couldn't believe it that he was ordering a mocktail. I thought he was just doing it as a friendly favor to make me feel welcome. So I order a mocktail, and, you know, the lady comes out with this big, beautiful crystal goblet. It's like a pink water. It's got orchid petals. It looks beautiful. But right when it came out, I told Tony, I said, that's my biggest challenge with being sober. When I'm sober, I don't necessarily want the whole world to know that I'm sober. Because when I order a mocktail at a different event, people start asking me, Washington, like, what's up, man? Like, are you okay, man? And, and I just, you know, and I, I really feel grateful that people care about how I'm doing, but I just don't want to go into the whole story of why I'm sober. And so, you know, after, you know, Tony and I spoke a little bit, I said, hey, Tony, I've still got a few more seasons left. I want to introduce a drink. I think, you know, Tony and I spoke. He had the same experience as me. He's like, Washington, I go to different uh, galas all the time, and I can only drink so much water. And with mocktails, he didn't want all the sugars in his body. He's a little bit older. He's really focused on his health now. He's been sober for almost three years. And so I was like, hey, let's make our own drink. But through our research and development, you know, we went to Eighth Wonder. We talked to Ryan, the owner over there, and we we're like, hey, I want to make a non-alcoholic beer. And he was like, well, why do you want to do that? Do you really enjoy non-alcoholic beer? And Tony and I were like, well, I mean, it's something to hold while you're at a party, but it's not the best feeling after three hours and you've had six or seven of them. You feel really bloated. You're not having as much fun as everyone else that's drinking. And that's when Ryan said, hey, what do you think about THC? And one of the things that Tony and I said is, hey, well, I can't, you know, I don't want to smoke vape pens and, and, and smoke, you know, I'm in the court all day. I don't want to smell like it, but I'd like, I mean, I'm down to drink it. So we tested the Wonder Water, which is a THC infused drink at Eighth Wonder. And Tony and I thought, you know, yeah, we thought it tasted pretty good, but we thought it made us feel like very calm and we liked it. So we drank it for a month and we told Ryan, hey, what do you think about us creating our own drink? And that, that's how it started. It started about a year ago. We launched about six weeks ago. and We've had great feedback and, um, you know, it's been a it's been a journey learning this beverage industry. So what what have you learned? I mean, you know, you, you've just launched this thing. What have you learned kind of through this partnership with Eighth Wonder and, and bringing Hobos to market? I mean, what I've, you know, of course, besides learning about the legal facets of the product and it being legalized in 2018 through the Farm Bill, the thing I'm learning the most is that many, many Americans struggle with the same issues that I do. You know, they have anxiety. You know, many Americans are going through tough times right now. You know, the economy is getting tight. Uh, people have divorces. And so a lot of people that have reached out to me and really want to try the drink are people that want an alternative to alcohol. You know, they, they've been divorced for a year and a half. They've been drinking every day, trying to drink their problems away, but they feel physically unhealthy. They feel like it hasn't gotten them anywhere. They don't like the after effects. And so those are the people that we're really talking to, the people that are trying to balance their lives and it's not a medicine, um, you know, it, it's 
it's a drink that has the health benefits of THC, but you're not smoking it. You're not taking gummies. It's equally distributed. It goes in as a liquid and goes out as a liquid. That's what I like about it most. And for people like me with, you know, chemical imbalances or whatever the doctor wants to say, I'm looking for a calm energy, something that, you know, helps me focus, helps me calm down. And this is what's best for me. All right. So like I said, you, you've been doing this for a little while now. How's it, how's it going? What do people think of Hobas? Um, you know, it's, it's going well. It could always go better. You know, I mean, um, I know the demand is there. It's more about me figuring out what my path to profitability is. Um, I know we're selling some online. I know we're selling some through the stores and restaurants. Uh, one of the things I'm most excited about is my partnership with my good friend, Mario from my fit foods. Um, you know, Mario's got a story. We've known each other for 20 years. He started his company. He sold it off. He went through the same issues as me with, you know, alcohol and everything. And he wanted an alternative. And so, you know, they've given us our biggest order uh, last week, 80 cases. I'm really excited. They're going to introduce it at their two stores, one in the Heights and one over there on 59 and Buffalo Speedway. So it's a healthier alternative. Um, you know, with their 21 day challenge, there's no alcohol. He's not going to say, hey, you know, you should drink this instead. But for people that need something, right, something to get through the week, something to get through the day, I think we're a great option for them. What are your goals maybe for the next six months or for the first year? Like when, when will you feel like you started to make it with with this brand? <laughs> you know, it's it's really exciting right now. You know, we're going through, you know, it's it, we're a year old and. You know, my business partner, you know, Tony just won a big trial and he's going through his campaign. And, you know, once we get through that, I'm really excited about what me and Tony are about to do through marketing and branding. We're talking to some public figures about doing brand partnerships. And in the next six months, my focus is more on the capital raise of the company and also, you know, which type of partnerships I'm going to focus on. You know, I believe in the THC beverage industry. You could go to any store and you could buy a can of THC, but you're not going to know who created the product. You're not going to know where the product came from. You're not going to know if the person that created the product really cares about what's in the product, right? But for Tony and I, the reason you'll see both of our photos on the can is because we want it to be personable, right? So that people would know our story right? And why we're partners with Bayou City Hemp and Eighth Wonder, companies that have been around for 10 years, that care about their brand, that have experience in the industry. And I want to introduce it to people who are kind of on the fence and don't know which product to try, but they are uh, in favor of having an alternative to alcohol. And so that's that's where I'm aiming for. You mentioned that you've invested in other restaurants over the years, what are some of them? I mean, what have you been involved with? Um, so uh, Crew Wine Bar, um, they're over there. There's one in River Oaks. But when I went to SMU 20 years ago, uh, we invested in one of the first ones in West Village. And so, you know, we've been an equity partner with Crew for almost 20 years. And then, you know, I would say 
all the other restaurants I've been involved in, and this is probably why they say there's a, you know, 90% failure rate. I would say, you know, none of them are around, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's, they, they survive for three years, five years, but you know, that's why for crew, um, you know, we've been around for 20 years. I think we have eight restaurants nationally. Um, you know, it's a wine bar with tapas, really reasonable prices, and now that I don't drink anymore, I don't really go there anymore. So I really miss it. I mean, you must get pitched all the time, right? Are there certain criteria you look for when deciding when you want to be involved with a restaurant? I think when I was younger, it was more about what was hip and cool, you know, what was trendy. You know, I cared more about, you know, where Washington Ho was going to go out and take a date and look cool, right? Yeah. But now I'm looking for passionate driven you know chef driven restaurants operator driven restaurants guys that you know have experience but have a lot of energy and passion um it's not a, always about you know how many dishes we're serving right i, I want to bring uh quality i want to introduce people to new foods i remember just i, I mean i would say 15 to 20 years ago you know, I was fortunate. I came from a successful family and a lot of my Vietnamese friends, they didn't really get to try all the restaurants I did, you know, and, and but now, I mean, there's such a huge scene and everyone's, you know, got a nice job now and can afford it. And I mean, Houston is the most diverse, you know, one of the most diverse cities we have in America. And there's, you know, every culture, I mean, every type of food you want to try, it's right here in the middle of the city. I mean, I would say the Vietnamese food here is even better than what you see in LA or what you see in Vietnam, the quality, you know, these kids are, are driven by passion. They're learning so much through different TV shows and what's going on in the world. And, you know, it's an exciting time for Houston. I mean, are you getting into this kind of second generation, like wave of Vietnamese restaurants? I'm thinking of places like Blood Brothers Barbecue or Sin Chow or Dinette. I mean, have you, what do you, have you, have you been to any of those? And, and what do you kind of think about this? Like this, you know, cause yeah. it's not just about like vermicelli and pho and Oban Wei, right? Like we're, we're kind of yeah. moving into something different. I think, you know, I love Blood Brothers Barbecue. You know, they're uh, a lot of Vietnamese influence in their food. Uh, you know, Terry and Ravi are good friends of mine. You know, they're just changing a little bit of the way Texas barbecue is done. But I will admit, I'm more of a classic type of guy. Um, I, you know, have to, you know, admit that one of my favorite barbecue places, which I've been hitting up in the best barbecue wings I've ever tasted is J Bar M. And I'm not just saying that because they carry Hobas, but I just really love um, the barbecue there. No, I I I, I like Jay Barham. I, I suppose we should, in the interest of full disclosure, we should tell people that uh, your publicist and their publicist are the same person. So just just so people not to oh. not to question not to question oh, your oh. taste in barbecue, but but just so just so yeah, people yeah. know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I think I think Jay Bar's doing a good job. What What are some of the other restaurants that you've been to recently? What else are you excited about these days? I mean, there's um there's so many new restaurants uh, going on. I haven't. I haven't tried Ostia. You know, my brother said that's great Italian food, and I'm looking forward to trying Ostia. I'm looking forward to, 
um, trying these new uh, norigami. It's, you know, a healthy place. I haven't tried yet either. Um, there's, I mean, there's tons of places that I want to try. I just haven't gotten around to it. Right. You're well, you're trying to promote it. You're, you're trying to grow a business. You're a busy guy. I'm a very busy guy. I'm trying to, you know, grow a business, raise some really good kids, be a, uh, be a active father. Um, and you know, be healthy at the same time. It's not easy for sure. All right. So, I mean, you mentioned season three. I, are you, are you filming now? What, what, what is the status of house of hell? So, you know, we had, you know, season three, we, we, we signed on, you know, we, we signed an agreement in February and literally in March, um, I get, or March or April, when we were starting to develop storyline, Hollywood went through a big strike. And so I think the strike just ended, uh, last week or it's ending this week. And so hopefully, um, we can resume talks with the network and producers and, get back on the house of hope three because i got a drink to launch and i've got a lot of new interesting <laughs> stories from myself from my my sister my wife a lot of new new things and 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 on tina we can't america can't just this can't be the end of the story for on tina no and tina is just waiting for house of hope three i mean she's better than ever y'all need <laughs> to you know yeah she she just got back from italy She's gambling with my mom a lot. She's living the dream life right now. All right. Well, Washington, I have to say that does bring me to the end of my questions. Is there, is there anything I haven't asked you about that you want to discuss? Um, you know, there's, I, I would just like to say, you know, Eric, it's been a pleasure of mine getting to know you in the last month. Um, you know, you're, you're such a huge inspiration for me and for this city you're always helping out other entrepreneurs, local entrepreneurs that don't have the huge marketing budgets as everyone else. And I just want to thank you for that, for being a great Houstonian and for welcoming me into your life and your show and your platform. So, well, that's very kind of you. I, re I really appreciate it. I, I, you know, it's so funny because obviously we hadn't met until you started this, but I, I do, I do feel like I know you a little bit, right? Having, having watched every, every episode of house of ho and and so to see you you know find a purpose and and embrace this direction I, I think it's very exciting thank you so much that means a lot all right well before i let you go we have to play the lightning round five easy questions okay. five short answers just say the first thing that comes to mind okay washington ho what is your what is your favorite vietnamese dish to order at a restaurant i like something simple like spring rolls what is the first band you ever saw in concert uh, the Fugees. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Hakeem Olajuwon. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Taco Bell. <laughs> All right. Then finally, I, I know I sort of asked you this, but what is what is your very number one new restaurant that you're just dying to try? I want to try Bari. Good choice. All right. How can people, I mean, give us your Instagram, give us the, how to follow Hobuzz, give, give us all the, the links. All right, guys, you can follow me at Washington Ho on Instagram and follow our beverage company at Hobuzz Co on Instagram. Washington, thank you very much. Thank you, Eric.
You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.